Welcome to the Heartbreak Kids Podcast, where we explore what connects us all in our yoga practice and in our lives. This is where I talk to people about their stories, who they are, what they've been through, and where they're going. And in this podcast, that's what we explore. I believe deep down inside, we're all connected, which explains why we bring ourselves to the top of our mat every day. Welcome to the Heartbreak Kids. So welcome to the next edition of the Heartbreak Kids. I'm here with my friend, B.B. Lorenzetti. And so I am excited to talk to you again because, B.B., to be honest with you, I, I don't feel like I need to do an introduction or anything like that. I feel like people in the stronger world know who you are. And uh, you went through some significant changes. I mean, all of us have over this, you know, 2020. But, um, you know, you became a mother and started a start a program, your own business and stuff like that. And so I thought it would be awesome to have you back on the show and, and show a little bit of the evolution and how things have changed for you and how like you've kind of come around to, uh, you know, different things. Um, so welcome back to the show. Thank you, Taylor. It's good to be back. Yeah. So, you know, this is, uh, I feel like this is a long time coming. I, I, I think the last time that we talked, you know, we said we were going to do another one and, you know, focus a little bit on, you know, some some different things and a lot of different stuff has happened. <laughs> and so I, I just want to know, like, you know, over the course of this year, having a, a baby and also a business and teaching and going online, I, w- I just want to know a little bit about like what's happening in your world. Yeah, I, I'm happy to have a opportunity to share it. Um well, I mean, I feel like 2020, I was just thinking while you were saying that, I was thinking about Walker was playing a show on New Year's and I was pregnant and wearing this, I felt like it was going to be the year, like I was going to have a baby and there was going to be this election. And it just felt like in that moment, it felt like it was going to be this great year with lots of good turning points. And I was wearing this little crown that said 2020, which I've never done before for New Year's. And little did we know standing there that it was going to be such a shit show of a year. Um, so I think it's, it's been, you know, it's been a ride for all of us. But I think in, you know, for us, it's been kind of a blessing in disguise in many ways, because, you know, everyone tells you that babies grow up so fast. And you're like, yeah, sure, they grow up fast. And then, you know, the newborn phase happens. Oh, well, I guess, pregnancy or not pregnancy but um, birth happens and that feels like it takes forever and then all of a sudden you have this baby and you don't know what to do with it and I feel like the newborn phase is just it just feels like time doesn't pass and then they hit three months and literally it's been like oh my god he's like an adult ready to go to college and I'm not ready for it (laughs) (laughs) That does it does kind of happen like that. It's kind of crazy, you know. I thought this year was going to be the year as well, right? You know, like, uh, yeah. I, you know, I spent uh, January in uh, Mysore uh, studying with Sharad, and and um, you know, I had an amazing January. It was just unbelievable. And I got home, and you know, I went straight to South America, and I went to Central America, and. I, uh, you know, was there and I, I got to spend like, I don't know, almost 20 days after Mysore in South America. And 
surf and all this stuff. And I was like, this is definitely going to be the year. This is going to be the turning <laughs> point. You yeah. know, this is going to be awesome. But when I was in Mysore, the crazy thing is, is like, you know, all the Chinese people were telling us that, or all the Chinese students, they were telling us that they couldn't go home. And we kind of didn't understand the gravity of like what they were telling us. You know, right. they were like, we've been in Mysore for another six months. Like our country is saying that we're not allowed to come back and all that kind of stuff. And, and then, uh, you know, fast forward and then all of a sudden like March 13th or 12th, like rolls around and it's like, man, all hell broke loose. Oh, and so I could God. imagine in your shoes, like having a baby, what is the baby's birthday? Uh, April 26th. So shortly okay. after the whole thing hit the fan. And, and um, it was. I like him a lot because uh, my birthday is the twenty fourth of April. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were a May Taurus. I remember you were a Taurus, but I thought you were a May Taurus. No, April Taurus. Oh, you're twenty fourth. Yeah, I was. I was really. I really wanted a Taurus baby. We kind of plan. You know, tried to plan to to get pregnant in the right time, and um, and then they're the best. I yeah, I, Tauruses are the best. <laughs> <laughs> and, but they're stubborn uh, as hell they're stubborn as hell yeah so. but i feel like we all have a little stubbornness here and there so i'm not super worried about that you know all this stuff is occurring but like how was pregnancy i mean were you yeah. able to practice like pregnancy was fine i um i i didn't love being pregnant while i was pregnant now i look back and i really cherish the journey and just i'm in awe of what my body did and you know i took pregnancy as an opportunity to really slow down and really see how my body would evolve and do its thing without, I, I tried as hard as I could to, to be the observer, to not like interfere with the process and to really allow, you know, allow myself to kind of go along with whatever came up. And, and if, you know, if my, if I needed to eat more, eat more, if I needed to rest more, rest more, if I needed to do different kinds of movement do that you know I, I try to really make it about allowing and and stepping back um and, and allowing the process to unfold rather than trying to control it or or make a plan of it um I did that for pregnancy but I didn't do that for birth I thought birth was going to be the one thing that I not could control but you know I had all these ideas about it and I had all these ideas about how I was going to be in birth <laughs> and uh that definitely was a very big life lesson. Um, yeah. You know, and I'm sure you, you having seen Jessica go through it three times, I'm sure you're, you're well aware that it's something that you, you have no control over. Um, right. I mean, it's, a, it's really an amazing experience. And, and also with all three of my kids, it was such a different experience for each one. Mm. So, yeah, it, it, it was, you know, pretty remarkable. I mean, you know, I'm sure that uh, your husband's sitting back there and going like, whoa, like this is, um, you know, it's remarkable to see like sort of the resiliency of the women or like of the women yeah. you know, from a male standpoint and, you know, just being sick or not being able to do things. And like, you know, you, you start realizing that they're the well, I saw this in Jessica and I'm assuming that he saw it in you too, but it's like, we're like making something together. Like this is like the most sacred act ever. Right. Absolutely. And he had, you know, we had decided to not do a doula and to, um, that he would, he read the birth partner and he was kind of going to be that support person for me. And I think that we both, we both didn't 
really imagine what it would be like in the room and how unpredictable the whole, you know, it's like you try to describe the process of birth, you know, but it's so, it's just so undescribable. Just like you said, each birth that you guys went through was different. It's so hard to pinpoint what's happening at any given moment, no matter how much literature you've read or, you know, how much you, how many videos you've watched. It's, you just never, yeah, it's really hard, I think, to, to, to predict any of it. And, you know, I found for me, it was a big lesson because I found myself for the first time, like, I feel like Ashtanga in this sense, wasn't of help in so much in the birth process, because with Ashtanga, you're, it's a very controlled system you know, like what comes stems out of it is unpredictable and you don't know what kind of growth in which direction you're going to grow or how it's going to come. But it's, you know, what you're coming into and what you're dealing, like the challenges that you're going to deal with at any given point, even if it's asanas that you haven't done, like you've seen someone else do it, or you can look at it, you can kind of prepare yourself for it. And then you pretty much will have an experience that you can kind of calculate you're going to have. Um, you might not be prepared for it, but you, you know, it, it, the guessing is a little he- easier. And I think with, with, I went into birth thinking that, thinking that it was going to be kind of like that. Like it was going to be this challenge that if I read about and, and prepared myself for, I was going to be able to, to master, to like control it from a mental point of view, you know? And, mm-hmm. and then the first thing that happens is once you in active labor, your mind just goes. <laughs> so there you mm-hmm. are and you're like pure animal form. And, you know, I, I, I definitely was not, I, I discover that I am not good with pain. And I mean, I am because I, I survived the birth, but you know, it's it definitely <laughs> swept me off my feet in a way that I, I did not expect. Um, and Indy was also uh, posterior. So he was facing backwards. Oh, and man. So I didn't, you know, I had prepared with hypnobirthing. It was, I was like looking forward to the waves and feeling like the whole, you know, move, the, the movement from the top down. And I was really excited about that. And all I could feel for three days was just, it felt like my lower back was going to break in half and he was going to come out of my back. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, that I never got into the wave situation. <laughs> yeah, it happened. Uh, so, I mean, uh, on the last birth with uh, Xavier, you know, uh, Jessica was having so many, so much problem, like with, with the whole guy. I mean, he was backwards and he was, um, twisted in his umbilical cord and we didn't know, I mean, same thing. It's like, you know, we're prepared that we're already, this is our third one. Right. We're like, oh yeah, we got this. And then all of a sudden we saw a fluctuation in heart rates and stuff like that. I remember, you know, actually one of the most beautiful pictures that has like ever been taken is when I'm in the labor pool, Uh uh, you know, because we had like a swimming pool in our living room. Yeah, I think I've seen this picture maybe. And and I'm holding Jess because she was in so much pain. And I was just like, whoa. I just had to keep on telling her like, I love you. I love you. Like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Were you home for that one? Uh, we were home, but we were rushed to the emergency, the emergency room. room. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's so unpredictable. It you know? really is. And I feel like there's no amount, you know, everyone going in was like, oh, you do yoga. You, you're going to be fine. Um, I, and there's no mental, no amount of meditation or pranayama or anything that can prepare you for it. You know, it's like, it's, you know, they compare it to a marathon, but I feel like whenever a challenging situation happens, it's much more than a marathon. Your, your mental the amount of mental concentration that you need is, is just beyond anything I've ever experienced. 
Yeah. Yeah, it for sure is. I mean, even witnessing, you can tell that too. Yeah, I imagine. I bet. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, uh, women, I'd tell you, strongest people that I know are all women. Mm. You know, and, and I think the lie that society tells us is that, uh, you know, that men are the strongest. Like, no, we got the easy. We got the easier. <laughs> well, I think you know. For me, it was definitely very important to have. There are two things that I experienced. One is, yes, I think I always undermined. Until I was pregnant, I always undermined the strength that women have. Um, I, I, my mother is a feminist, and I think my reaction to that was to always undermine the power of the woman and to kind of. Uh, prefer the male energy and kind of worship that more than the female energy. And I think this really reconnected me to, 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 or not reconnected me, but allowed me to see for the first time, probably ever the, the importance of the female energy and the strength that is in it and how, you know, I think one thing that I really missed in the whole process and reason why now I'm focusing more in that direction uh, with my work, um, just holding more space for women is that I really felt like, I really felt the deep need to have a female presence next to me, whether it be, you know, a mother, not, not even my mother, just like someone that would, could feel like a mother to me in that moment. Um, and, and at the same time, though, I feel like it was so important to have the male energy of my partner just like grounding and not freaking out. And like, you know, I don't know if this is a, a, a characteristic of his, but his presence was just very earth. Yeah. Well, I like, for me, the pain was this very like air ether experience. And I felt like his presence was just like this rock that kept bringing me back into, okay, I can, I can breathe. I can, I can be in my feet. I can begin again. You know, it's like he was this very um, physical reminder of, of the elements of like now and here and like, <laughs> yeah, stability. Um, I mean, thank, thank God for him. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I, I really think, you know, I, I, I think I'm really grateful for pregnancy because it made me, finally understand the, the power and the importance of women and the, the incredible strength that we hold, um, but also see the male energy in this completely new way. You know, it, it's both subtle, but so grounding. Um, and then I think in motherhood that shifts, I feel like I'm more of the rock and the, and the earth and the, and the, um, the grounding element and Walker's more of this, um, more like ether, etheral, like I see Indy looking up to him and kind of like uh, spying on him almost already, even though he's just six months. And with me, it's more like he just needs to cling on to me to feel like he's he's okay and he's here. And so it's almost like the the roles have reversed. So I'm now the earth element. He's more like the air, the fire, the the thing that he's looking to. So it's I, would say that, I would say that's pretty accurate. You know, the only thing that I'll, I'll also add to that is like, you know, I, I think as males and, mm -hmm. you know, maybe goes to a little bit of everyone's insecurities, like as a, as a male or, or a lot of us is that our, our role becomes so much less and mm -hmm. that, you know, you do become the rock because like, you're the person that is feeding, you know, you're the person right. that, you know, like you're the first God, right. so to speak. Yeah. And so uh, I've always had this period of like, 
after every single birth that it's like, I'm actually not that significant. <laughs> that must be so hard. It, it's ridiculously hard. <laughs> and, and it's oh. a common experience for like men to, to feel right. Like I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like I, every single one, I'm like, I'm really not that important here. Well, and, I think, you know, it, can I say something before we move on? Because yeah. I, I feel like, you know, I going in some, some other person, other friend, maybe it was Timothy, I can't remember who it was, had told me that there, there was going to be this feeling on the side of the men. And so I remember going in, we had kind of talked and we had said, okay, I want for on my end, I was like, I want to make sure that once the baby's out that I, uh, that I honor you, um, and that I continue to see you, um, so that you don't disappear. And it's just about me and the baby. Um, but at the same time, I feel like the, even though, you know, what hearing you say those things, is almost like really hard because I feel like, oh, how shattering. Cause I felt those, th- I felt emptiness once I gave birth and I felt like it was, it took some time to understand how the baby needed me now that he was out of the womb and what my role was. But, and that was shattering. But to hear you say that, um, I, it just made me think like, oh my God, it must have been so hard for him. And I was asking of him so much, you know, because it, you still are kind of playing an element, even though you're not visible, maybe like you, I don't know what word you said, but you're not, um, I can't remember how you described it, but like, um, the mother really needs the father there because at least in our household, like Walker was running the show. I was just there breastfeeding and holding the baby and, you know, doing all those really important things to keep the baby alive. But he was keeping the rest of it alive. So I feel like the interplay of the two are, it's so beautiful and intricate and like delicate. Yeah. I, I just, I, I like, I agree with you a hundred percent. Like, you know, I'm making food, watching the other kids, right? like cleaning the house, doing all this other stuff that, you know, a lot of times it's, is, so essential. it's still essential, but a lot of times it's discounted. And, you know, as a father, like you look at the, you know, you look how interconnected the mom and, mm. you know, the baby are and, you know, like you're like, you absolutely love the baby, but you're sitting there going like, <laughs> man, you know, like, I'm, I'm just like the extra part. Mm. I'm, I'm the third wheel now or, right. or there's, and, and I don't know if there's like depression that happens to males or any of this stuff. And probably it's probably just I, talked about. Yeah. And I know that, uh, you know, obviously depression happens with, with women as well. You know, there's like this, you know, emptiness, like you sort of you describe, but it's a hard experience. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like every kid that I had, like I felt the exact same thing and I, I didn't like it. You know, I remember my dad saying to me that, you know, our role as a father Mm -hmm. didn't come until after. Right. Uh, We didn't become, we don't become significant until like year two, three, four, five, six, seven. Where then you become kind of like the role model, especially if it's a boy, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I re- and I remember my dad just saying that to me and I was like, okay, like I can, I can do for that. <laughs> well, you know, I think just going back to the, the, the fact about depression, I think there's a lot that, you know, they tell you in, in the hospital and, uh, you know, about depression, they warn you about postpartum depression, but I think that there's a lot that's not talked about. One, what you just brought up about the father has a journey of its own as well. And I think that's absolutely not 
talked about at all in anywhere, really. Like the father's kind of expected to be the rock of the household. But like you said, yeah, your father might tell you that you're not going to be um, essential for a while, but you don't, you don't really hear many men speak about how they feel through that process. And then for women, I feel like we're aware that there's a postpartum depression, but we're not, I think there's, there's so many different, um, what's the word, um, very, not variations, but like, you don't have to necessarily be depressed. There's emotions and feelings that you're going to experience that are completely new. Like I remember I mourned, I, it felt like a little death and then a little birth, like a little rebirth. So it was these very dark feelings juxtaposed to really light and beautiful feelings. So it was this constant like back and forth between opposites and then trying to to figure out how to bring them to like to some something where they could coexist. Um and it took a long time. I, I feel like I was I was mourning for a really long time. Like I was mourning me before pregnancy, I was mourning pregnancy. I was mourning like not having Indy inside my belly anymore and having him outside of me. I was mourning my relationship with Walker. I was mourning my relationship with my parents who weren't being, being able to be here and to help us. Like there was so much mourning, I feel like it, that was grief and mourning that was happening at the same time. It was like I was looking at the baby and, and feeling so much like just pure, I don't even know if it's love, just this pure essence like I, I don't know how, if I can even describe the feeling because it wasn't at the beginning it wasn't love it was just like after you have a really good practice and you're laying there and you kind of feel like you merge with everything that is around you it felt like that and so it was a state of completedness almost and yeah it was very confusing <laughs> very confusing time <laughs> Yeah, it is uh, for sure. I think it's confusing for both parties. And I, I think that, you know, women, you know, obviously have, have all of those feelings coming up. Um, I totally get it. Thanks for sharing that with me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for sharing uh, your part. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think that might be the first time that I've ever shared that. I think um, that needs to be shared more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll see if I can get enough courage to do that. Um <laughs> So I'm interested, you know, just based on our last conversation and stuff that I know about you, like, you know, you're like a party girl <laughs> and now, now all of a sudden, like you're a, a mom. Yep. You now, like, what's that contrast feel like too? I mean, do you feel really far removed from that? And like, what about those lessons that you learned, like as a party girl, like have, have those kind of transferred or or the experiences that you had like transferred into like how you're going to raise this child? Yeah, that is a really good question. I've given it some thought over the past few months. Um, I, I definitely feel like it's a part of me that I, I haven't really had the space to address um, as a mother. And especially with the pandemic, there's really no outing that you can do. So the, that, you know, that I think that that party girl part of me is, I express it through my um, the energy that I put towards my third series practice. I think that's uh, you know that was a big part of quieting quietening that part of me, uh, just because of the in physical and in in intensity of the practice, um, and then just socializing and teaching and being around people. So it's been a pretty drastic 
change of not having the practice, you know, as it used to, I'm slowly rebuilding back my third series practice, but it's very different. And the energy that goes into it is very different. Um, and then there's no, there's really no socializing. There's no, you know, I'm teaching online, but it's not the same as being in person and having that person to person exchange of energy. Um, and so I, I'm, I don't think there's a space for that person right now. And I struggle with it a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find new ways, you know, like we'll play music at home. That's not baby music. And we'll have like little dance parties. <laughs> and uh, depending on what time it is, it'll, it'll depend what kind of music we're playing. Uh, and then, you know, luckily Walker is a, a musician. So sometimes it's been very rare, but sometimes I'll go in when he's playing the drums and have a little party there. Uh, if Indy's sleeping, um, but I haven't, you know, I haven't, I haven't really expressed that part of me. And and then in terms of, um, in terms of it, me thinking about that part of me, and then having a child and having a child possibly go through that, it completely. Uh, terrorizes me or not terrorize what's the word um it scares me absolutely uh i'm really glad that yeah. that it's not that i didn't have a girl um i think i would have <laughs> a harder time with that i think you know in on a certain level i think uh it's it's a little easier to i don't know why i say this but i i feel like in my gut for me it's a little easier to trust a boy than a girl <laughs> growing yeah. up in my, in my household. Um, and maybe it's just because I know that I, you know, I, I compare myself to my brother and I, you know, I was very vicious in making up lies and getting out of things. And I was very good at it. Whereas my brother was more earthy, more like, you know, more content, more mellow, more like he did his things, but um, there was more honesty involved with him, with raising him. Yeah. Um, so I hear that. I, I hear that for sure. I mean, I, I think that, you know, uh, I think raising a daughter is always hard, uh, but my boys are easier. Mm. You know, like my, my boys are much easier. Like they respond different, how they interact with the world is different. Mm. So, yeah. But I mean, they're equally great, you know, but there's definitely a hard element, you know, because, uh, you know, for lack of better words, it's a cold, hard world, right. you know, for, for females, even yeah. though that I feel like all of the situations have improved, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, it's, it's rough. So I, yeah, I, I, I totally girls come in with more fire, like <laughs> come in with more of a fighting spirit. <laughs> than boys. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering, I'm, I'm wondering about, you know, because uh, I, I know that you've dealt with um, eating disorders. Yeah. And, you know, like one of the things that I'm always thinking about is like, how do I, you know, because in addiction, uh -huh. specifically, you know, drugs and alcohol, but I'm, I'm just going to relate it to things that you got going on. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want to give those behaviors oh, yeah. to my children. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, like, with the things that you've struggled with in your past, yeah, like what kind of thoughts or what kind of parenting are you trying to like give to your child so that you don't pass on those traits too? Because there, are, uh, some of them are learned for sure, 
And so I'm wondering if you've given thought to that and like what, what, what you feel like you're trying to offer that's different than how maybe you were. Yeah, absolutely. I think that about that every day. And I think that, um, you know, I, I try to be, I try to be for now, uh, all I'm doing is I'm trying to be very mindful of the wording that I use in towards him in regards to his body. You know, I'll catch myself saying, Oh, you're so chubby or like people saying like, Oh, he's so chubby. And, and I've even, I've even worried like, Oh, is he getting too chubby or is he getting too skinny? And I try to, and I, so I, I try to be aware of not using so much of that language around him. Um, and I mean, in the ideal world, I would love it if he would grow up experiencing his body from a sensorial point of view, more of, uh, what others say that he is or looks like. Uh, that's more, that's simpler said than done, obviously. Uh, we introduced a mirror shortly, like a few months ago, and he loved it. And I, and I, I struggle with it because I see how much he loves seeing his reflection. And I think it's really important for him to, to, to realize like, oh, that's my hand and it's, I can see it like on myself, but also as a reflection. I think there's something important in that. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, am I allowing him to fixate himself on this exterior image versus having like an awareness from inside of what he is and what he experiences? Um, and the same goes to just like having him explore by himself versus me, you know, kind of cheering him on and like, you know, when they learn something new, you cheer them on and they're like, oh, good job, good job. And, and then they kind of, they feed, they feed on that, onto that, or they, I don't, I don't know if I'm making sense, but this idea of like how I, the, you know, what you give to them and how they feed off of that. And the more he grows, I feel like it'll be more of a, of a delicate uh, interaction, like really being aware of, um, you know, what we, what, how we phrase up things in regards to his body and our own bodies. And, um, how we interact, how he sees me interact with my own body and with food. Like I notice him now, I, I'll be eating and he'll just like stare at me. Anytime I move something in the kitchen, he'll be like staring at me or at Walker if he's eating something. So he's very aware of our relationship to food. And I think that both Walker and I have started to really, um, to, to begin to change a few things. Like we'll sit down every meal and we'll do a little blessing and we'll sit him with us. And now that he started to eat a few solids, you know, we'll, um, we'll include him in the, in the little prayer and um, we give him all the time that he needs to sit there and explore the food. I try not to, I decided to try baby led weaning. So I'm not trying to spoon him food into his mouth. I'm trying to allow him to discover for himself how he can relate to this thing that's going to, give him a whole sheath of body uh a whole like different energy to himself um so it's really exciting and um for now i'm just i'm just hoping you know that he can have a positive um attitude towards food and towards his body but who knows once you begin to dive into relationships with others and the world it's so complex you can only plant the the the, the good seeds and then see what happens from there yeah, I agree. Uh, but it's something that I'm consciously always working on. You know, like my kids have never seen me drink. They've never obviously seen me use a drug or anything like that. Right. I'm, and so I'm, I'm uh, but I'm aware of it because, you know, like their mom and dad are both, you know, recovering addicts. Right. So it's, 
you know, our behavior and what we're showing them and how we operate in the world, like it all matters. Um, you know, do you think so, that it, do you think that uh, now that you're talking, I'm, I'm wondering for myself, so I'm going to ask you, do you think that you guys will let them know what your story was or that's just something that you're keeping for yourselves? Yeah. I mean, I've already, yes, all of them already know, um, as much as they, they possibly can know. Um, my daughter who's 10, um, you know, she's really interested in reading my book. We have not let her do that. Um, so I think that would, you know, I I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a journey. It ends good, (laughs) but but it's, it's a lot to take in and, you know, um, and so I do, I, I just did an audio book and it would be released here in like, you know, probably two or three weeks. And, and, um, uh, my plan is to actually let her listen to me, oh. uh, read, read the book. Oh, wow. Uh, I think it gives a completely different dynamic because, you know, right around, I think, uh, the age from 12 to 15, yeah. you know, I think is usually where, there's some like exploring behavior. And, and I think that being transparent and open and honest about, you know, like you can choose to drink and use, yeah. but if you're anything like how your mom and dad were, it took us 10 years and we're lucky to be alive. Right. And, and like really sharing it like that, where it's like, it's a conscious decision instead of just like, it's a coping mechanism and she's just going to do it anyways. Right. Yeah. And so, um, and so she, I would say probably here soon, she's probably going to listen to my audiobook. Wow. That's a big step. It's a huge step. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, like she's been to meetings with us and, oh, you know, okay. so she's, in that. she, yeah, she oh. understands, it. she understands it, but she hasn't actually heard the story. And, right. and I think that, you know, it would, think for sure it would pull on her heartstrings. I think for sure, like, you know, maybe she would, I I mean, maybe it would like talk her into making better decisions. I don't know what it would do, but I do know that um, me and Jess have definitely made a kind of a pact that we have to be as open and honest about it because life or death. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that interesting, you know, as you speaking about this, I think about, you know how they say that the souls pick the family that they want to come into. So I almost feel like, and this happens to me often when I'm interacting with Indy, I'm like, wow, he knows so much more about me than possibly, you know, if, if you choose to believe in that, then I might even, you know, he might have been observing me for years and has chosen to come to, you know, it's so it's like, there's almost this, when he looks at me, there's, I almost feel like there's this transparency between us and there's so much that even though I might not speak to him that he already knows and I see that sometimes when he's looking at me um I might be reading into it but there's there's times where like I'm if I'm having like a day where I'm being you know making bad choices with food or I'm tired and upset or angry no matter how much I try to hide it from him I can see him feel it and I can see him almost like I'm here for you. I know that you're going through this. It's going to be okay. <laughs> like, I feel like he's healing me <laughs> just by being there, you know? Um, so yeah, in that sense, yeah. I almost feel like they're prepared. They might come in prepared to, to, to hear it or to be around, you know, this kind of, of truth. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. But uh, it's so, a thing to be, you know, to, to think about. And even just with the yoga, I think about it, you know, I think about up to now, I haven't really, I've practiced with him next to me maybe three times. Um, just because I've been very jealous of that time. It's, it's the only time that I get for me. And I feel like I, I want to cultivate that space for me so I can be a tent and I can start to begin to build some sort of concentration into my practice again. Um, if, if ever, um, so I've been very protective of that space, but now it's getting cold. And so I'm not using my shalak currently because it's too expensive to turn on the heat and heat up the garage. So I've moved my practice inside the house and it's really hard. I don't know if you experience this, but it's really hard to disconnect from all worldly things when you're practicing in the house space. Um, yeah. You need an attic or a, a basement. Yeah. With a- locks <laughs> yeah exactly where you can be like okay i'm leaving my mind out there behind this door um so we don't even have doors in my house so it's really hard to to disconnect from it all um so i i've been thinking about it and you know we did we tried it three times and i don't know how you've done it but i just feel like it's very it becomes about them it's definitely not about you creating any sort of deep connection within yourself while you're practicing with them. At least for me, I haven't in the three times I've tried, it was definitely about attending to him and, you know, feeding, changing a diaper, giving him something to distract himself with. And and he's not even crawling. So I, 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 but I do, you know, I, I do want him to be part of this. And had we not been in a pandemic, he would be on my back probably, you know, or in the room with me teaching sometimes. And I really, I'm a little bit sad that that I can't do that right now because I, I was really looking forward to sharing that space with him as he was in my belly doing it. Um, but in terms of practice, I am I am having a little bit of resistance in having him there with me, especially, you know, doing third series stuff. I feel like it requires, for my constitution anyway, it requires a lot of certain certain asanas in third series require a lot of my attention just because I can my hips and my neck go out so easily. And so yeah, I'm a I'm a little jealous of that space. <laughs> but I would like to eventually, you know, introduce him into it. And I've and I've started doing a little bit of chanting with him. Uh, you know, when I take him for strolls, I'll I'll put on um uh, the Adityahudayam or the uh, Hanuman Chalisa or some kind of Krishna Das easier chant. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to expose him to that uh, as much as I can. But yeah, the asana part, I don't know. I don't know. It's I, I'm a little protective of it. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you for sure. I mean, I've always had a space that I could go to and get out of the house, and I think that's you know one of the beauties of it. Yes. But I'm interested, you know, to kind of talk a little bit about your practice and sort of the changes that have occurred, obviously, in, in your body, you know, and yeah. as it sort of reorganizes itself again. Um, and then also, like, I mean, about sort of the transition of like, has it become like a lesser role? Mm. You know, and, and talk about that or, or, you know, is your yoga practice more about like attending to your child's needs? Right. Or is it about taking care of you? So I'll start from the beginning. Um, and so I, I had made a pact with myself um, that I would go. So I went to Mysore last before I got pregnant, which was now 
two years ago. It was in March, I think, of 2019. And I had promised myself that I would, that would be the last uh, third series practice that I would do. And when I would come back, I would start scaling down um, because I just felt like, you know, advanced practices, um, I just felt like it was very masculine and it, it called a part of me that I felt like I needed to calm down in order to get pregnant and feel like very fertile and soft and receiving and create just like a soil inside of me that was fertile. Um, and so I did that. I came back and I slowly started to take it out and I shifted into like a just second series. And then when I, when it came to the season where I could get pregnant and have a Taurus, I just, um, I really scaled down. I would just do like a little bit of standing and I would mainly just hike and be outdoors. Um, and I changed my diet too. I, I, I was working with, um, an Ayurvedic practitioner, a friend of mine, uh, with whom I run the retreats and she, she, you know, she helped me kind of increase the kapha element, um, and, and decrease the vata, not only in the body, but also just in my nervous system. Uh, so that was really nice. I integrated a lot more meditation. Um, I would have liked to do more pranayama work, but I, I didn't get to it. Um, and then I got pregnant. Um, and then I, I didn't practice for the first three months. It took me a little while to settle into that. Like there was a lot of resistance definitely towards, it was both physical resistance, mental resistance, but also just the idea of uh, which I think is why it was so key that I dropped the practice, that it was like, who am I if I am not this? So there was this whole process of dis dissociating myself from the, like disidentifying myself from Ashtanga Bibi <laughs> almost. And right. like, uh, and just really seeing like how it's so easy to build an identity around that, you know? And, and I think it's so important to, to be aware of that. Uh, so I, I, I definitely feel really, um, uh, grateful that I, I took this opportunity to see how attached I was to this persona that, you know, practices Ashtanga. Um, right. So that was really nice. And it, you know, it took about, I think probably like four or five weeks until I completely took the practice out. Um, and then once I took it out, I was just mainly, I was swimming, I was hiking, and then I, I was meditating daily. I, I um, started doing Vipassana meditation at home. Um, so I would do like a 15 or 30 minute Vipassana meditation every day. And I really, um, I really wanted to, to, to build a, a more spiritual aspect of practice, which, you know, I think is very intertwined in my asana practice, but I wanted to experience that outside of the asana, which for me is very hard personally. Um, it's hard for me to just sit there. <laughs> it's it's easy to sit there after you've exhausted your your body but to just sit there is very hard um so it was it was definitely a, a learning curve and um and then at three months i started practicing again slowly so i i, I started with sun salutations and then i slowly integrated standing and then a little bit of primary and then i never really did I would, I just had this one practice that I did most of the time, which is half of primary into half of second with variations, obviously, which is what I now teach. Um, I'm kind of doing this prenatal Ashtanga um, thing. Um, and I, that just sustained me. Like I didn't at any point, I didn't feel like I wanted to push myself. Like I felt like I wanted to honor the life that was growing inside of me and my body didn't feel like doing anything extreme or, um, uh, 
you know, I just felt like I really needed to mellow down and and honor the growth and not push myself like I usually do. Uh, and I think the hardest part wasn't so much doing less in practice, but it was actually like allowing for rest, like to give in to the fact that my body just needed to rest. It was very hard for me to to give in to that. It took me a long time. Um, yeah. And and now in hindsight, I'm like every woman that I cross paths with that is pregnant. I'm like rest, rest, sleep. <laughs> like please do that to yourself. Um, right. But so that was that was a challenging part, and you know, and practice felt so different during pregnancy that I it almost pissed me off, honestly, to practice that way because it, I it just I just felt so different and distant from my original physical self um, that yeah. it just it felt frustrating to try to do something that your body can't do. Like it's not supposed to do. I, I know that that for certain women it feels fine and they do it. And I, I am not judging that at all. But to me, my own experience is my body didn't feel the need to do that. And it didn't make sense to put my baby through that stress. I felt like I needed to give him the space that he needed in order to grow. Um, and, um, and I'm glad I did that because I, I do think that um, it made the birth a little easier even though it was kind of like a long birth um and he did have his umbilical cord wrapped around his head once uh, i think had i done more crazy stuff that might have been a little worse i don't know that's just my take on my own experience uh, yeah. it might be totally off um uh, um path but that's just my my intu intuitional sensation of it um yeah. and when i got to really close to the birth i I, I, I was like, okay, I'm not even going to attempt this anymore. I'm just going to let it go. So probably like two weeks before my due date, I, I, I stopped practicing. I was mainly just walking and I was doing more of like, I mean, not that I stopped practicing. I was doing a very restorative practice. Um, and then when I crossed the due date, I was like, all right, he's definitely a Taurus. I got to get this baby out. So I started practicing again. And the day that I went into labor, I actually did like my original half primary, half second practice. And like halfway through it, I started to get contractions. Um, and then after birth, um, you know, I was very lucky that even though I got an epidural and that whole thing, I, I didn't rip and I had a very easy recovery. Like my, my body went back uh, pretty fast. I mean, I still have extra pounds, but in terms of, you know, healing uh, organs, um, it, it, it all went pretty fast and I didn't lose any muscle tone. So that was really good. Um, I felt strong right away. And I, but I, but I waited, you know, like I, I waited until um, I waited for what I, I, I knew that I should wait for. And I felt like I, my body agreed to that. So I, I knew that you had to wait the six weeks and my body agreed to that. I, but four weeks in, I started to feel like I could do a little movement. So I started mm -hmm. doing a little like very adjusted uh, Surya Namaskar with, you know, stepping back and not even doing up dog. Like I, I really felt like I needed to keep my, my center very compact. I didn't feel mm -hmm. like it wanted to stretch. So I, uh, any movement I did, I tried to really keep keep my the, the center of my body feeling like really connected and 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 uh solid i don't know if that makes sense but um, sure. 
I, I yeah, I felt like I needed everything to to pull back in, and um, I did not meditate. That went out the window the moment the baby arrived, uh, and then possible too, anyways, right? What? It's almost impossible. Oh my with God. Yeah, I don't know how people do it. <laughs> Meditation is a luxury of single people. Oh my God. I don't know how people do it. Um, yeah. But it was, uh, yeah. And then four weeks in, I started doing a little movement. And then the fifth week, I tried a vinyasa class with my teachers back at the Shala. And it felt so good to just breathe and move and and give myself the permission to adjust everything to the way that felt right. And then when the sixth week came in, I was like, all right, I'm going to start with Ashtanga again. So I started integrating. I did uh, I did like a half first series practice and it felt amazing. And so then I just jumped in. I did, I think I did um, primary for maybe like a couple of weeks. And then I went into second series and I, um, I remember it was one day I was so tired and I was like, this is the day. I need something that is going to take me out of the state and it needs to be like a strong physical movement. So I went on the porch and I did second series and it felt amazing. I, of course the, some women say that they get more flexible. I, I got a lot stiffer. My, my back bends are, you know, I used to be a very back bendy person. I am no longer that person. Um, my, my back is stiff. So I feel, I feel, I finally understand all those people that, you know, have a hard time with Kapotasana. Um, but it's fine. I don't, you know, I think because I honor that time before getting pregnant and those first three months, I think that really made me more, more receptive and humble to what is. So I'm not fully, I'm not really bothered by it. I'm just like, Oh, well, this is what it is. And, um, and, and as you said, you know, it's the practice really, isn't the practice the practice is now being a mother like i noticed that all those elements that you cultivate you know of practice of repetition of showing up of of observing closely of of like the details of like even drishti like all those elements are there in in my exchange with my child and so practice is more it's honestly right now it's just get on the mat and do it (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing yeah. like and, and mystical I feel about like that it. Happens for men too, you what? You know? I feel like that happens for the men too. Like you know, after childbirth, there, there's just so many changes. It's like just get on the practice and do something, mm-hmm. and forget about it. Yeah, exactly. It's it, yeah. Yeah, it takes on a whole other form. Yeah. Well, it's really amazing to, you know, obviously hear your journey and talk to you again, and you know, I I hear so much maturity. Um, in a lot of the things that you're saying and, you know, just like you've taken on this mother thing, I can, I can feel it (laughs) seriously. And so I want to thank you for being on the show and, you know, having a great conversation. The time flew by. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, thanks so much for sharing a lot of those, those details, because, you know, I think there's a lot of mothers out there that are really kind of searching for, you know, some answers and, and I think you gave them to her. So Um, I appreciate it. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. If you want more information about Ashtanga Yoga, visit ashtangayogacolumbus.com. You can also check out my website, which is taylorhuntyoga.com. See you guys next time.